0: Starting looking in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 14 today as we kind of move. Um, last week we series on the Holy Spirit and we're kind of continuing that theme uh, today as well. And so in particular, um, one of the things that I had, um, I had discussed last week is that there are, you know, w- when you talk about things that are relative to the Holy Spirit in Scripture, there are are two separate experiences that we have with the Holy Spirit, all right? One is his indwelling presence, and another is his infilling power, all right? And so what we're doing is we're kind of taking each one right now and kind of dissecting those a little bit, and so right now we are discussing his indwelling presence. And that's kind of what we talked about last week as well. Um, his indwelling presence, Jesus had, had 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 you know in this conversation with Nicodemus, he said in John chapter um, three, I believe is he said that that if a man wants to be must be born again, he must be born of water and of spirit. Right? Um, that we are to be born again. And, Of course, Nicodemus not really understanding the concept of of being born again. You know, Jesus defined the fact that look, you've got to be born of water. In other words, that you've got to be uh, you got to be a human, you know, right? Um, the natural childbirth in the water breaks and the child comes out. Um, you're born of water. And then you've got to be born of spirit. So the rebirth that Jesus is talking about is a spiritual rebirth. It's something that happens to our spirit and man. Even after Jesus' resurrection, there's, there's a moment where uh, Jesus is with his disciples, and the Bible says that he breathed on them, and he said, receive you the Holy Spirit, All right? And so this right there was marking a, um, a, a born-again experience for the disciples in that moment. You understand that? Because understand that, that even though the disciples were, you know, in the Old Testament, people were made righteous because of their faith that looked forward, and obviously you have the disciples who were living in a time where Jesus was there, uh, Jesus said, no one can get to the Father except through me, all right? So that means that when Jesus was alive and the disciples were with him, he hadn't died and broken the curse of death and, and, and paved the way to heaven, all right, it, through his resurrection. And so, um, you know, even the disciples at that particular time weren't born again, per se, until Jesus had paved that way and created the opportunity for this born-again experience that we now know, and now our faith looks backwards to Jesus and what he did on the cross, and in his faith, uh, what what he did for us, okay? And so we're looking at this in this indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, what it looks like, and last week we talked about how his, inside his indwelling presence, Jesus said that he would come and he would, he would be in our lives to be our guide. In other words, he would be He would be those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So when we are led by the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God leads us, then we are sons of God, and that's how God desires to lead all of us in this particular day. So when you talk about, and you hear some people say from time to time, like, well, you know, I put out a fleece to see if God, you know, wanted me to do something. Well, the only time you see somebody talking about a fleece is in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, okay, when, God, when when people needed God to speak to them and to show them so that they could have clarity in that way. We don't live under the Old Covenant anymore, and now God has come to reside within us, and he desires to lead us by his voice and by his, the inner witness inside us, and we don't need a, God, if you really love me, then you will do this. Because we already have God's word that says that God loves you. You don't need confirmation, right? right. And, and so, uh, you know, there are, there are times in our lives where we can feel led to do something for God. And we could, we could look to things on the outside as maybe, um, you know, confirmation of what God has spoken on the inside. And there's nothing wrong with that because that just shows that, the, that everything's lining up the way that God had told you it was going to line up in the process, all right? But you don't, we don't get to the place like, God, if you want me to go in a mission field, then you will have this happen to me, okay? Well, that's, even though there are times that God can speak to us that way in, in our ignorance, God doesn't desire to speak to us like that all the time. He wants it to be like, well, what did I tell you in your heart? What am I telling you in your spirit? What am I? Say? What do you feel uh, as I am nudging you and guiding you and leading you? God wants to, okay, so the Holy Spirit is here to be our guide, all right? And so we looked at John chapter 14 in these passages. And today I really want to kind of hone in on, on um, who is the Holy Spirit, right? Who is the Holy Spirit? So we know like, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And uh, and, and obviously, you know, when you talk about the Trinity, things can get, you know, kind of confusing sometimes within our mind because there's things that we have a hard time grasping and understanding. You know, you have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they're all one, but kind of like different expressions of the one, right? And so, like, if you were to use kind of like a common day analogy as it relates to the trinity you could use something like h2o h2o um 20 is water ice and mist it's all h2o it's just different expressions of the same element does that make sense all right another one would be like say myself all right so i um, i am a father i am a son and i am a husband okay they all require different things, but I'm all that same person. Does that make sense? And so when you're talking about the Trinity and the Holy Spirit, uh, I want to really dive right into, you know, who is this Holy Spirit? You know, because as I had mentioned before, a lot of times the Holy Spirit... And, and mostly it's, it's by reputation that we have this idea that the Holy Spirit's the crazy uncle in the family, and we kind of like want to like, well, let, let's let the Holy Spirit be over here in this corner while we all just kind of love Jesus over here, you know, this kind of thing. And, and I really want to kind of point out the fact that there's, um, you, you can't really separate them, right? So when, when, you, when we get into some of the other things talking about the infilling power of the Holy Spirit and that, that experience that we have in our life, it changes us and it gives us gifts that, that make our witness powerful in the world, all right? W- right now we're talking about his indwelling presence and what he does on the inside of us and what this means, all right? So John chapter 14, if you're there, let's go ahead and read verses 15 through, um, um, let's see here, uh, 15 through 18. And if you didn't bring your Bible with you, um, I put it up on the screen for you i'm just generous i'm a giver right just uh anyways and hopefully i think that i'll put it up there on my otherwise you might be uh, in trouble um and i think you're on, you're on the wrong one buddy uh, john chapter 14 verse 15 it says this so follow me right now if that's right it's right if it's not it's not all right um i think you got to go to the pass. The, the slide before it son Slide before it is part of the same slide. All right. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay. I will come to you. So let's look at a couple things real quick here in this particular passage. Two things in particular as we're reading this passage, and Jesus is talking about the promised one that's going to be sent. He's saying, I have to go away. It's good that I go away so that the promised one will come and 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 he's gonna come and he's he's kind of describing and helping. I mean, because what we're happening here, what's happening here. In this last part of John here is that you actually have, it's it's the last week of Jesus' life. He's kind of, you know, given a crash course on the disciples, on what's going to happen after he leaves. Just a couple chapters later is when he gets arrested. So, you know, he knows that his time with the disciples is limited. He's wanted to kind of, you know, help them understand that there's, you know, something's about to change that Jesus in, in human form is not going to be able to stay there forever, and something's going to have to change, and that they need to be aware of this change that's going to happen. And so right here he, in, in, uh, in in chapter 14, he says this, and, and going back, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, okay? Now, when you read that particular passage, you get this idea that there's going to be another person that's going to come because Jesus says that I'm going to give you another helper. But if you dive a little bit further into the original language, into the Greek and what Jesus is saying here, this word another comes from the Greek word "allo," And it means, listen, another of the same kind. Because there's another word in the Greek language called heteros, which means Another of a different kind. Okay? So there, there's this idea that Jesus could have said, I'm going to send another that's going to be different than me. And he's going to become to you, and he's gonna and he's gonna do all these things. But instead, Jesus uses this word called Allo, and he says, I'm gonna send another one to you, but it's it's really not another because it's the same thing. It's of it's another, but it's the same, right? It's just a different form of what you already have, all right? Really is kind of what we're looking at. So he's telling them that he's going to send them another that's going to be just like Jesus, going to be just like Jesus. He even goes on right here. He says, even the spirit of truth, even the spirit of truth. Now, what is it that Jesus said about himself as it related to the truth? Do you remember? Can you recall What Jesus said about himself as it related to the truth, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, and we just kind of talked about the end part of that particular verse. Jesus says, I am the truth, and then he makes a statement about this another of the same kind that is the spirit of truth, okay? Are you following me? And then in verse 18, he says this. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. All right? So we have this idea that Jesus is saying, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. Okay? I'm not going to leave you. And, of course, he's talking to all disciples from here on out, but he's also not just talking about all disciples from here on out. He's also talking to the disciples that were there in the moment with him. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm coming back to you. Alright? I'm coming back to you. Um in First Peter chapter one verse eleven we find this passage here where Peter writes, um I wanna see here. First Peter chapter one eleven it says and uh actually we'll start with verse ten and eleven and um It says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. All right. So Peter here saying, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ, all right, The Spirit of Christ. That word Spirit there that that Peter is using is the Greek word nuba. And it means the third person of the Trinity or the Holy Spirit. So even Peter, when he's writing here, he says the Spirit of Christ. And when he's using that word Spirit, he's actually making a reference to the Holy Spirit. So in essence, what's happening here is that Peter is actually calling the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. He makes this reference that it is the Spirit of Christ. It is the Spirit of Christ that searched us to tell us all these things, all right? And then if you go to 1 John chapter one, actually, 1 John chapter two, it says this um, in verse one, 1 John uh, chapter two, verse one, it says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that, what you, so that you may not sin, but if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ the righteous. All right. So I know that when I read that passage, maybe you're not directly making a link to what we're talking about, because understand what we're talking about here is we're talking about who is the Holy Spirit? Who is this Holy Spirit? We talk about the Holy Spirit and what he comes to do. His indwelling presence inside of us. Who is this Holy Spirit? And even Jesus himself was, was saying, I'm going to send another. It's going to be the same kind. And he's the spirit of truth. Oh, by the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And um, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm coming back to you. And, and then first uh, in Peter, in first Peter, Peter's referencing the fact that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. And in the first John right here, it's talking about sin. And as believers, when we sin, that we have an advocate, and this advocate for us is, G- is Jesus Christ. Now, what we're going to get into is this word advocate. This word advocate comes from the Greek word parakletos, all right? Parakletos means summoned, called to one's side, especially called to one's aid. It means one who pleads for another's, another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counselor for defense, a legal assistance, or an advocate. All right? So this is this word parakletos. In First John, writing, he says that our parakletos is Jesus Christ. He is our advocate. He goes, of course, we know this in other parts of Scripture, right, where it says that Jesus you know, lives to is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the church and and for God's His people. So we know that that Christ is our advocate, and we we find it here and, and uses this word. And so let's just talk about this for a second. Let's talk about Jesus, just for a second, as we kind of maybe are trying to connect some of the dots in the Old Testament. <clears throat> when you go read some of the Old Testament scripture, you will find. That there are times throughout the Old Testament scripture where the Old Testament uses this phrase called the angel of the Lord. All right? And 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 there are times where like the angel of the Lord visited, you know, um Joshua or the angel of the Lord, you know, visited um, you know, Isaac or or Jacob. And and there were times throughout Scripture and you can just kind of do, if you wanted to do like just a, um, a quick search or just a word study, you could just do angel of the Lord and find out how many times the word angel of the Lord is used in Old Testament Scripture. And understand that, that oftentimes we read that and, and we're just kind of reading it in our own translation. We read and we think, oh, well, it's an angel of the Lord, right? Right. Um, and and what we understand is this, that there are other times in the Bible where the Bible talks about angels but doesn't use that exact phrase called the angel of the Lord. And almost all theologians and scholars, when they read, you know, Old Testament manuscript in the Hebrew language, and they read back and they look over at all the, the times that this word angel of the Lord is used, this phrase is used not to describe an angel. It actually is a phrase that is used that that... They they are actually talking the pre-incarnate Christ. That Christ, before he became a man, before he was born and and became a man in this world, that he would visit the angel of the Lord, that Christ would visit these people in moments throughout history to maybe give instruction or direction or whatever it is. And you can see that this angel, Lord, is this idea that Jesus, even in Old Testament, and of course we know that, um, you, know, it, you know, First John, or not First John, but the Gospel of John, in the very beginning, it goes through this whole idea about Jesus becoming flesh, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. So even in the beginning, the Bible says that Jesus was, was there when everything was created, when the world was spoken into existence, that Jesus was a part of all of that. And we see that him visiting throughout Old Testament Scripture as the angel of the Lord he would visit. And this is the reason why you know, that, that he was often referred to as the Lord himself. And these people would throw themselves to the ground you know, because of the the majesty of his presence in that moment, all right, and we see that that, that Jesus visited in the Old Testament, and then he became, he, he was born, and he became this baby, and he lived amongst us, and he walked amongst us, and he did all these things, and all these incredible works. And then right before he's about to leave and and his death and his crucifixion and his resurrection, he gives his disciples and he's telling them like, hey, listen, I want you to know that something's going to happen. I'm going to have to leave, but there's going to be another. It's going to be of the same kind. And, and, you know, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm coming back to you. It's just going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be the same way that you're used to it over the past couple, you know, three years. It's just going to be a little bit different. It's going to be another of the same kind. It's just going things are going to change just a little bit. And um, and then he he's saying all these things and referring to himself. And now we find John here. He uses this word, Parakletos. And even in the Gospel of John, and one of the times, some of the times when we read the Bible, one of the things we find is that in times a an adjective used uh, to describe the Holy Spirit as a a comforter. The Holy Spirit, you ever heard that? The Holy Spirit is a comforter, right? Um, There's two things that we think about when we think about the word comforter, right? We think about the really thick blanket that we have on our bed that makes us nice, warm, and cozy, 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 what's that? Cozy at night, especially on cold nights. You know, you can wrap up in that bad boy and, get you nice and warm, all right, so there's that comforter, and then a comforter, oftentimes we think is somebody that kind of comes, um, maybe sits down with us when we're going through a hard time, you know, maybe we've lost a loved one or something, they kind of put an arm around us, and they, it's gonna be all right, and, um, and, um, here, here's the thing, though, that, that word that we, that we translate to the word comforter, that word parakletos is, is actually that same word, and, um, it's actually not a very good translation. If if I'm just if I'm if we're just being honest, um, is um, in, in regards to what what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing and kind of his role is is not so much of a comforter, um, and so what, one of the things and let me let me go back and remember and recall to you because we defined the word Parakletos earlier. And, and kind of showed you what it meant. But there are two things here. Um, or, or here here it is. It says, a parakletos is, the, def- the Greek definition is that someone who is summoned, called to one's side, called to one's aid, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counselor for defense, a legal assistant. Okay? And so, um, this is, the Paracletos that we're talking about, when you, when you go back, and remember if you go back to the gospel of John, in the gospel of John that we got done reading um, in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16, where John actually talks about the Holy Spirit, you go back and look at those words, the word that is used there in that particular phrase, in that particular moment, um, you know, in John chapter 14, where it says that I'm gonna send you um, a, a helper, That helper right there, that word there is that same word, parakletos. Even in chapter 16, when it goes and says that the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The same word that John uses there is that same word, parakletos. And then later on in 1 John, we see that that the parakletos is actually referred to as Jesus Christ himself. Who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, who who lives to make intercession for all the saints, all these kinds of things. All right. And so we have references that the parakletos is the Holy Spirit. And we have references that the parakletos is Jesus Christ. And we also see this connection. I don't know if you guys are getting the connection here that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And Jesus says the spirit of truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. So it's the spirit of Jesus. He says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans because I'm going to come back to you. Remember Jesus said, and in the, in the, he said, you know, go into all the world and make disciples and, and baptize them in the the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and lo, I, listen, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Even Jesus made the statement that I'm going to be with you. <clears throat> all right. And so, um, we see that the Holy Spirit, in essence, and of course, we certainly understand that inside the Trinity they're all one, anyways. But we see a connection between the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. That is, you can't you can't separate the Holy Spirit from from Christ, because it's the same. The Trinity is the it's the same Godhead, it's the same group, and 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 we have to understand the role. That, that if we accept Christ and his sacrifice we need to understand that we live in a dispensation now where God has given us the holy spirit and his wisdom he is you know Jesus said i'm going to leave but my spirit is going to be with you and my spirit is going to be with you from now until forever and he is going to be your paracletos right so there's two things that I want to point out to you this morning as it relates to the Holy Spirit being our paracletos. And this will actually be rather quickly. So, Rob, if you want to go ahead and just head up here, you can. Um, one is that the, I, the, the, the Holy Spirit is being compared to a lawyer. The Holy Spirit, the idea that the Holy Spirit is being compared to a lawyer he is our advocate. Listen, you remember it says, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, okay? So in, in our world today, when we, um, you know, if you get in trouble, you got to go stand before a judge. And in order to do that, you want to hire a lawyer, right? And there's a reason for this. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like if I had to represent myself before a judge, I'm toast, it doesn't matter if I'm. I, I mean, could, could be completely innocent, but I don't. I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin, right? I don't even know how to start this whole thing, all right? It, whereas a lawyer has been trained how to be in that environment and to communicate in a way that makes sense to a judge that that can help you know somebody uh, you know being defended and be represented as innocent, so one of the things that we see here is that the Holy Spirit is kind of like our spiritual lawyer, right? And even what what John was saying is that if if you sin, understand this, that you have an advocate. You have an advocate, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, Jesus himself is our advocate and he stands before the Father and he defends you before the Father, All right? Now, why is it that you need to be defended before the Father? Because the Father is is a holy just judge so you understand right that that god is a loving god and he is also a just god and one doesn't you know eliminate the other so just because he is loving does not mean he is now not just okay so in his justice he says that sin that there is a price to pay for sin right There's a price that has to be paid for sin. And and how that price got paid is through Jesus Christ. And that's how Jesus Christ stands before the judge and says, hey, hey, I took that. I took that. That, That's mine. That's all me. Right? Because he's standing there before the judge. Okay? And that's how we can stand before God righteous and innocent because of what Christ did on the cross. You following me? So he becomes, the Holy Spirit becomes our advocate, Father, so that we can stand in righteousness, so that we can walk in right for God, so that we can be seen as blameless before the Lord. That doesn't mean that we can, you know, that grace is not a license for immorality, like Romans says. You can't just like, well, I have an advocate who now defends me, and all of them, I'm just gonna go out here and murder somebody, and I'll just be good off. That's not how it works, right? Arts, uh, but we know that there are going to be times and obviously god knows that there are times in, in in our weakness in our weak moments we're not supposed to be living in a lifestyle of sin because um you know the lifestyle of sin is supposed to be dead within us we are supposed to be dead to our old man and his ways but there are going to be times right there's going to be times where you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. There's going to be times when you are selfish, when you shouldn't be. There's going to be times when you say things or do things that you shouldn't do. Maybe sometimes you do those things in, in ignorance, and maybe sometimes you do knowing, knowing full well what you do. And, and it's the Holy Spirit okay, that is our advocate before the Lord and is also our prick in our heart that says, Hey, buddy. Hello. You know, he's going to shine that light right there in that darkness inside of our heart and says, hey, buddy, you know, this right here needs to go. We've got to do something about this. This has got to go. Right? So he becomes, um, <clears throat> he's, he, he becomes our advocate. He becomes our spiritual lawyer before before God. And, and this is an incredible, incredible role that he plays in our relationship with the Father, in our relationship with us in our lives, to continue to show us the areas that we need to improve, to continue to show us the areas that we need to get better at, and all of those kinds of things. The other idea that we find, the second idea that we find in, in a description about the Holy Spirit is is the idea that he is called to one's side, okay? He is called to one's side, all right? Landon, come here. I got to use it. So we talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, one of the things that he does is that he is called to one's side. And this is what Jesus is talking about, that there's going to be a, listen, um, it's going to be another of the same kind, Right? So when we get this idea that the Holy Spirit is, is something, is, is this one that is, that is called to be, to be at our side, this is the word picture that we get from the Holy Spirit. That he comes to us like this, and he says, all right, man, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it together. Come on, we're going to do it together. This is what the Holy Spirit does. All right, thank you. Y'all give him a hand. That's an incredible job of walking and just standing there. Um, so, you get the idea that the Holy Spirit, that, that his role and his, one of his functions in our life is this, it is Perikletos that he is called to kind of come and put his arm. He says, All right, let's do it together. Let's go. Come on. He is at our aid, He is at our side, He is with us all the time. That He is right there with us all the time that this is what the holy spirit does this is so when you wake up in the morning the paracletos is there and he says all right let's go let's take this day let's take it we're going to do it together we're going to make it together it's going to be all right yesterday may have been a, you know terrible may have been the worst day of your life but today is a new day and i'm the paracletos and i'm here and I'm going to be at your side. I'm going to put my arm around you, okay? And we're going to walk through this life together, and I'm going to be your aid, and I'm going to be your and I'm going to be here with you even until the end of the age. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. So you look at it this way, okay? Jesus was with his disciples for three and a half years, they walked with him, they talked with him, they ate food with him, they slept right near him. They were with him almost all the time during those three, year, three and a half years. Every once in a while, he would send them out two by two where they would go, but it, for the most part, for the entire time, they were there with him. And to put another way, he was there with them, right? He was there with them. And now he says, look, this, is, this really isn't going to end. I'm going to send another helper to you who is going to be with you 24-7 all the time and this parakletos is going to do the exact same thing that I did while I was with you. I'm going to do the exact same thing. This parakletos is going to do the exact same thing that I did while I was with you. So, right here, listen, the easiest way to understand this is that the Paracletos is the one who helps us just as Jesus helped them. And to put it in the present tense, Jesus helps us today just as he helps them then, and he does it now through his spirit. He does it now through his spirit. So, instead of being an isolated person in the flesh in one location, Bound by time and space and all the things that we are bound by, he says, "I'm going away, and it's going to be get it's going to be better because I'm going to take my spirit and I'm going to put it in you. And my spirit in you is going to be just like I was when I lived with you. It's going to be your Paracletos, and just as Jesus helped the disciples throughout all of their life, that He did for them, the fact that He commissioned them, He called them. He pointed out their problems every time they said something or did something they shouldn't. He anointed them. he, He empowered them. He emboldened them. He did all of these things just as Jesus did all of these things for the disciples. We see now that the Holy Spirit does all of those things for us. This is what the paracletos does for us. Will you stand to your feet this morning? You just close your eyes here today.